Welcome to part one of Health System CIO's interview with Marianne Yeager, CEO of Sequoia Project. In this segment, she talks about how she hopes Sequoia's recent restructuring will help advance its mission, how they're leveraging technology to provide disaster relief workers with critical information, and the prioritization challenge the industry faces when it comes to interoperability. So I think the best place to start is with an overview of Sequoia Project and its mission. So Marianne, can you do that? Certainly. The Sequoia Project is a nonprofit public-private collaborative. We are um, really solely focused on advancing nationwide interoperability for the public good. So we were chartered to offset the burden of, of government and to really advance the cause in a way that makes sure that the interoperability capabilities that we're helping evolve and growing for the country really are suited to meet the needs, the broadest needs possible. So our mission is really to, we'll know we're successful when information flows seamlessly across the whole continuum of care and until then, we're really focused on trying to narrow down what the big impediments are and trying to really work collaboratively across many different stakeholders and across industry and government to solve those issues. Right. Yeah, quite a few stakeholders. And um, can you talk a little bit about the restructuring and, and how that has changed things for Sequoia? Sure. Well, the restructure was very strategic. It was not really just an organizational change, but it was also a reflection of the growth of the initiatives that we've been helping to support over the past several years. So the eHealth Exchange has grown considerably over the last six years under Sequoia's stewardship, and it was really ready to stand on its own with its own corporate structure and its own governance. And similarly, Carry Quality has grown considerably over the last several years. And um, it was really, the timing was right because the eHealth Exchange is a health information network, and uh, as that community planned to sign the carry quality framework and begin exchanging data with other health information networks, it was very important for each of those organizations to operate under their own structure. So it was a very strategic move for those activities, but also for Sequoia because um, yeah. what we realized over time is the breadth of our work, even independent of those initiatives, has been continuing to expand. And so we really wanted to also have the ability to continue providing support through you know, management services to those organizations, but to also really buckle down and start tackling some other big interoperability challenges. And that's what Sequoia is really stepping up to do. Right. And who are some of the stakeholders that Sequoia works with for the most part? Well, we work with, of course, health systems and health, large healthcare provider organizations and the health IT vendor community, integrators, governmental agencies, public health, research, long-term post-acute behavioral health, really across the whole continuum, and, and also individuals that represent the perspectives of consumers, ever important. If you think about what we're trying to accomplish in terms of making sure information flows seamlessly, that's enabled by really having trusted partners and having networks and frameworks that really have integrity and are really geared and calibrated to meet the public good. And to have that level of trust and integrity, we feel that you know, we really need all the voices around the table, those of clinicians and those using these capabilities to the organizations and companies that develop those capabilities and really having all those perspectives is what really helps us advance the ball. Right. So do you have direct contact with members of the vendor community and leaders from health systems? 
Yes, all of the above, and healthcare provider organizations, associations that represent mm. those groups. And then, you know, we also work really closely with other associations and interoperability initiatives. You know, we compare notes. We are constantly exploring about how our work is synergistic and complementary to one another. And so it's really about that collaboration. And the broader that is, the better and the more successful we'll be. So it's, it's very important to Sequoia and everything that we do to have really open dialogue with, with all these different groups. So we're going to yeah. solve it together, not alone. <laughs> we're going to be yeah, a team sport, that's what we like to say, you know. Yeah. Okay. Can you talk about some of the current initiatives that are either in the works or have recently uh, gone underway? One of them being sure. Pulse? Yeah, sure. Well, you know, we have several um, key initiatives underway, one of which is Pulse. That's the Patient Unified Lookup Service for Emergencies. We also mm -hmm. have a new cooperative, it's really an interoperability leadership forum called Interoperability Matters. And then we'll continue evolving the work that we've done thus far around patient matching. So those are probably the three big ones. And then also we've done a lot of investing in interoperability testing so we do provide testing services that will help mature health IT systems so that they're more capable of sharing information without customization and tailoring. You asked about Pulse. That one is a really interesting, and, and again, it calls to the DNA of Sequoia. So we started working with U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the California Emergency Medical Services Agency as they were supporting the first implementation of Pulse in California. And this is a system that is used by disaster healthcare volunteers who are deployed and assigned to treat patients who are had to evacuate and are basically seeking care in shelters. So they're not able to receive care through the normal care delivery system. And so what Pulse does is it enables those volunteers who may or may not have privileges at a health system, and they certainly don't have access to the electronic health record system if they did because they're in a shelter in a makeshift you know, clinic. Usually it's just tables and chairs. So what it allows those volunteers to do is to, when they greet patients, capture some simple demographic information and use Pulse to really search for those records and retrieve really basic information, um, medications, ever important. Usually if folks are evacuating particularly without much notice, they often leave without their prescriptions and may not recall what medications they're on. So Pulse allows that information basically to come up real time and you can see what medications that individual has been taking as well as allergies and problem lists and just really get a snapshot of their health. So it's been invaluable. Pulse was implemented and used for the very first time in the fires last year, in the, in the fall of last year, and then unfortunately it's been used quite extensively in the California fires that have just seen just the past few weeks. Right. And the recent hurricanes in the fall, I would imagine, too. Well, the interesting thing is Pulse is right now is really controlled and uh, through the authority of the state or jurisdiction. So it's the okay. state uh, agencies basically have to agree to implement Pulse, and they're the ones that control when it's activated. So where Sequoia comes in is making sure that Pulse can connect to the national network. So instead of trying to create a new emergency response network, Pulse is yeah. just the system the disaster volunteers use that it plugs into the national network. So we are working with a number of the states located in the Gulf Coast, and you know there's keen interest, as you can imagine, to have that type of capability available but there's a lot of interest. Really, our role is supporting a broader deployment and expansion of Pulse and making sure it's that we help improve the state of readiness, really, for our country. I mean, this issue should be part of our core infrastructure. And so um, we'll continue working in earnest and leverage um, the experiences that we've been able to glean from the work in California and come up with really a model for the country. Right. And, and you mentioned how 
the goal isn't to, to create a, a different disaster response or network because I imagine that one of the challenges is having more than one network in place and things like that and really mm-hmm. trying to, to get things more centralized. You know, there's been a lot of investment and progress to date in health information networks like the eHealth Exchange, and there are others out there that are supported by vendors such as eClinicalWorks and Athena, mm-hmm. and, and some that are supported by regionally and whatnot. And the idea is, well, let's leverage the existing infrastructure and use that connectivity that providers already have used day in and day out. We're just using it to now for emergency treatment purposes. That's the nice thing is it really doesn't require anything unique other than, you know, capability of the Pulse, which basically ties to the state volunteer system, but really Pulse is able to leverage and scale readily because it's going to leverage the existing health information network. So in this case, the eHealth Exchange, and as eHealth Exchange connects to carry quality, it'll get to the other networks as well. So we're really excited about the ability to demonstrate that this is good for care day in and day out under normal circumstances, but boy, when you need it most, it's imperative to make sure Pulse is, is available. And so that really what we're trying to support. Right. And then another initiative you mentioned was Interoperability Matters. And and can you talk about the work being done there? Yes, Interoperability Matters is our newest initiative. And what we realized is there's so much great work taking place um, across the entire healthcare sector. And we informally and been working with a number of interoperability initiatives and groups over the years. And what we realized is that we do need a point of coordination to really tie some of this great work together and to really have much needed prioritization. So there's a lot of work that needs to be done and different domain experts are sort of advancing the cause in, in their particular domain. But there are also some overarching things that need that would really benefit from national level coordinations. Now that we have real world interoperable health information exchange occurring, the last thing you want to do is something that would dis- disrupted. And then there are also some overarching challenges that we think would really benefit from more of a coordinated voice. And also making sure that we can have some real much needed focus. So what are the top two or three things that we really feel that we can solve today? So interoperability matters is about bringing all the voices to the table, agreeing on what are the top two or three priorities that we need to focus on as a country to really advance the state of interoperability, and not that this group is going to solve everything, but what are the handful Mm -hmm. of activities that we can really focus on and really double down and and make some progress. So it's not really so much about thought leadership and writing white papers and all the good work that that goes into those types of activities, but really focusing on what are the things that we can really get the implementation community and the user community to agree that we need to solve and fix or improve, and then focus on coming up with implementation resources, whether their specifications or testing requirements or a new use case that we can get consensus on that we can really spearhead and, and move forward. So that's the group we're in the process of setting up the structure and governance as we speak and then gearing up in short order to try to get some common threads that will come out of the information blocking draft regulation that's to be published in the near future. So we think that that's an opportunity to again, help educate the whole implementation and user community of of what the different interpretations are and uh, the different perspectives that come to light. And and it's interesting because we so much of the time focus on consensus. This is an area around information blocking. We have a feeling that there are going to be many different perspectives. But our thinking is that we all learn by understanding those different perspectives and as the byproduct, it would help improve understanding. So Sequoia's role in that activity is really as a facilitator 
and to um, help with the analysis and bringing to light the different perspectives. And if there are some areas where there's commonality, we'd like to capture those. And if they're really disparate views from different groups, we can capture those as well. Right. And then use that as feedback to policymakers on the practical implementation level implications of information blocking. So we're going to be very targeted and focused in on really the issues that have impact real world interoperability today and what the implications are around that. Sure. When you talk about identifying what, what are the biggest challenges, obviously that's not a simple conversation, but are you finding pretty much common themes when speaking with different stakeholders? Um, you know, there are a lot of needs. There are a lot of needs. So one activity that would be beneficial would be focusing on improving the quality and consistency of the clinical content that's being exchanged. So Carry Quality and Commonwealth and, and other groups got together and came up with the specification to improve and expand upon the data being supported for consolidated CDA exchange. And that's what's really broadly supported today, but we don't have an implementation plan for it. So some vendors might be able to prioritize it sooner, others maybe 18 months from now. That's a possible area. I wouldn't say that there's, um, I mean, I think there's so much we need to focus on. That's why we need to yeah. prioritize. Um, it could be a high-value use case. Some folks have contemplated, well, maybe we just try to expand uh, connectivity and support of cancer care cancer treatment because that's an area where individuals are really uh, tend to be acutely aware and involved in coordinating their care and they're seeking treatment from many different uh, providers and specialists and you know interestingly very few oncologists are connected to health information networks so we have a population of patients who would benefit from having their health records exchanged across the many different providers where they're seeking care and many specialists and oncologists aren't even connected to networks for the mm. most part so you know there are lots of opportunities I would say we'll we'll have a little better sense once we start socializing and getting input from the community in the next couple weeks right Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.